Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Eleanor Hayes Merritt is a Wexford woman who has spent 26 years with tech giant Oracle. Eleanor, you are the Senior Vice President of Oracle, a leading IT and services company. You are now residing in California, but you actually hail from Wexford Town. That's right, yes. I grew up in Wexford, uh, went to the Fife School, uh, went to the Loretta Convent. And yeah, my family, I have still family in Wexford and I come back on a regular basis. I was just back in August. And what career path did you follow that brought you from the sunny southeast to California? Well, I've worked with Oracle, as you mentioned. I've worked with them um, ever since I graduated college. So I went to DCU um, and I studied computer applications. And at the time I was graduating, you know, they had the usual college recruiting process and Oracle came along. They were starting a new office in Dublin. And so I was actually recruited to work in Germany, much to my surprise. And so I spent five years there in Germany and then I came out to the States and I've worked my way up uh, through various positions now to where I am, am today. And of course, Oracle is a company that needs no introduction, but perhaps you can provide us with a brief overview about the type of infrastructure and software which it provides to client companies. Yes, so Oracle... I suppose if you're just, you know, a, a consumer, you know, a regular uh, computer user, you may not be so familiar with Oracle, but it's very well known uh, in the business software area. So it's best known for its database systems. So any time you need to store data uh, in any structured way, then um, you most the vast majority, like nine times out of ten, an Oracle database will be used for that. So all the big banks, all the financial services, the healthcare companies, the pharmaceuticals, um, education, you governments, everybody's using Oracle databases. And over the years, then Oracle's also added to their repertoire. They've now got um, applications, so, you know, human resources applications, things that, you know, run payrolls, uh, financial applications, healthcare applications. They also have middleware software for, say, security and for developing new software. Um, Lately, they've become a cloud infrastructure provider as well, so you can run all kinds of software on Oracle infrastructure. And as you said, you've been working with Oracle for 26 years now. The technology landscape is renowned for its seismic shifts. But what is the greatest advancement that you've witnessed during your time with Oracle? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Like, because there's always changes happening, right? And, you know, because there's always changes happening, you don't, and you're in the middle of it, you kind of go, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't quite so seismic. But I suppose the biggest one that's influenced us day to day and how we work has been moving to a cloud our, our infrastructure uh, so that you know we host uh, we run all kinds of uh, software on our own um, uh, infrastructure and that's really changed the culture of the company about ownership and so on so you know whereas before we would just give our software to customers and make sure you know they would figure out how to work it and run it and now we have to do all of that and make sure that works reliably across 
you know, thousands of different systems at scale. So that's been the biggest one for, for me. What does your own role as Senior Vice President now look like on a day-to-day basis? So I have three major responsibilities. I'm responsible for customer support for database and for middleware. I am also responsible for our identity management technology development. And then I have a team that does like site reliability engineering for um, part of our cloud. So, yeah, day to day, it's it's quite varied. And Eleanor, of course, problem solving goes hand in hand with your role on a day to day basis. What process do you follow when it comes to solving problems? Ah, That's a really good question. Um, I think it's really important to make sure you have all the facts. And that's a lot um, harder than it sounds because people tend to be biased. And, you know, if you're working with a customer, for example, on a problem they reported, they will swear up and down that they changed nothing. And it's all Oracle's uh, problem. And and you can go off on the wrong path with, with that sort of thing. And then sometimes you'll find out a week or two later that maybe that person you spoke to wasn't aware of some other changes that went on in their in their company that did affect what happens on their side and caused the call to Oracle. So, you know, I was saying to my boss last week, um, the only things that are true really are our are, are log files and architecture diagrams. It's very, very hard to... Um, rely on what people will tell you, you know, when you're trying to solve problems. And there's also like this confirmation bias. Sometimes, you know, somebody with authority or who's very confident says something, you know, everybody believes them, right? So, and then you go off down the wrong path there too. So the more we can get from a machine (laughs) when it comes to uh, solving problems, the more likely that we're going to come up with the right answers. So you ensure that you collect as much of the facts as you possibly can to start analysing those. Yes. And then where do you go in terms of solving the problem from there? There's all matters of problems, you know, that's say a technical problem. And there's problems with, you know, how people work together. You know, you're trying to get um, something done, you know, with another group and they don't want to do it. Maybe they have different priorities or they don't, you know, they don't think what you're asking for is important and you do. And so then there's a certain amount of convincing that has to go on, right, to, so that you can get what you want. And sometimes that means go talking to their leadership and so on. And so, um, yeah, and then there's sometimes, you know, a, You've got an unhappy customer and it's figuring out what it was that led to that and listening to them and empathizing with them and um, trying to figure out ways that we can, you know, bring them back to a, a place where they're satisfied with you. So, yeah, I mean, different ways, different problems that require different approaches, right, to solving them. And you have to be ready to adapt and change according to what situation you're in. And Eleanor, one other area that you're responsible for within Oracle is identity and access management development. Provide us with an insight into that specific area. Well, anytime you log in, you know, with a username or password into 
a particular application or app, you, you're using most likely an identity management function. And uh, one of the things uh, that identity management is probably best known for is what we call single sign-on. So if you're um, if you were using, say, Facebook, um, you can use your Facebook login uh, sometimes to access other apps, right? You get prompted for that, or you cannot use your, your Google login to access them. And sometimes that <coughs> you can actually do payments um, using your Facebook information. And so it's making sure all that information is secure, highly secure, but also it can be shared um, in a secure way across multiple applications. So that's the biggest area, I think, of, of that ident identity is known for. The other one it would be multi-factor authentication. So when you sign into an application, sometimes it will send you like a one-time pin on your iPhone, on your phone, and so you have to enter that as well, so it can really prove it's you. So those are like those are the things that day-to-day -day people would know identity management. Eleanor, of course, in that particular area, people have gone to a stage now where they're afraid to click on any link, whether it's a link that comes through by text or by email. They're almost afraid to answer their phone because of the range of spam calls that are coming through. You spoke there about multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication, as, as most people would know it as. Where do you see this yeah. going over the coming years? Because people are fearful of their security being compromised. Where are we going to see this go from here? Well, one thing I think is it's going to go away over time is passwords, right? You know, passwords are just generally a bad idea. A passport, a password system can get hacked, and we all know, you know, some people's information has been hacked, their passwords have been hacked, and they, they can get access, you know, a malicious user can get access to all their accounts and cause all kinds of damage. And then people forget their passwords and um, or else they use the same password all over. Um, and it's just a bad practice. So I think we'll see more and more um, that different um, mechanisms for authentication will be used. So biometric authentication like face recognition or, you know, fingerprint recognition, those will be more the way that we will... Um, used to get into systems but of course there's hardware limitations to that like not everybody today has a system that's going to allow facial recognition or biomet you know fingerprint recognition so until um we phase those out it's you know we're still reliant on the on the password to some extent right so but i do think yeah the password is the big one that has to go away and then just in general there has to be there's a notion of zero trust every single layer of interaction in a system has to have security built in from the network you know to um you know just the software itself to authentication um every single piece um has to have um uh, security checks built into it. You cannot assume that um, they can't be attacked or hacked. And that's where, yeah, like you said, there's there's a huge amount of work going on in the, in the, in the industry these days to, to continuously enhance the security of, our, of, of uh, what we use software for.
In a related topic, you would have seen Mark Zuckerberg in the past week speaking about his Ray-Ban Stories smart glasses, saying that they're going to be the replacement for the mobile phone. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about that. I think it's... <laughs> You know, who knows? I think it's an interesting idea because I was thinking myself there that, you know, things like credit cards and, um, you know, bringing those around with you everywhere you go. Um, it's it's such a pain. And then when you lose it, you've got to go and, um, you know, reset all your accounts to, you know, to take from your new credit card number and all of that. And why can't you just, you know, again, use sort of physical characteristics, biometric uh, characteristics of a person to um, do things like make, make payments without having to carry things like a, a credit card or a mobile phone around with you. Now, I mean, that that's one thing about it. But of course, you know, I think one of the reservations people would have about these glasses is like, I'd like people will be uncomfortable, like if somebody spying on them, or you know, um, there's a, there's privacy concerns, and that always follows Mark Zuckerberg around <laughs> everywhere he goes. Like it's like um, it's been the curse of the the Facebook and world. It's like uh, it's around privacy now. He he vows he's trying to take that more seriously, but I think he's going to have a job convincing um, you know the regular people that he really is. But then, Eleanor, you'll have many of the digital marketing experts, such as Gary Vaynerchuk in the US, saying that the consumer generally has no problem trading their privacy for content. And I see that even with my own behaviour, right? You know, when it comes to ads, you kind of want to get ads that for things that you're interested in. And when, you know, something comes up that you're really not interested in, you're you get very irritated. But when it is something that, you like you might even buy that thing even though you mightn't have been planning to do it so it it makes a lot of sense from the business perspective and as an end user you know you're kind of you're not so bothered by it if Eleanor was after walking out the gate of Loreto College in 2021 after completing her leaving cert and she was embarking on a third level college degree what IT related degree would you be focused on this time around? Well I don't regret going down the computer science road and I think that's a really good foundation to get into. Um, I think since I'm in very involved in the cybersecurity business, it's also would be a great area to get into if you want to specialize more in the cybersecurity side of software and, and infrastructure. So yeah, I would recommend that. And Eleanor, what sacrifices did you need to make along the way in order to reach the role of Senior Vice President of Oracle? I think the, you know, moving to the US was certainly, uh, you know, it played a big part, I, I think, honestly, in getting me the opportunities. Um, when you're at the headquarters of a company, there's more opportunities, I would think, to advance. Um, not to say that when you're working in more regional office, you can't advance, but it's just harder. There are fewer openings. Um, so being away from my close family was a, a, has been a big sacrifice over the years. Um, then, you know, when my son, my second child was 
born, um, I spoke with my husband about him staying home with the kids. And he has been a stay-at-home dad now ever since my son was about six months old. And that's been a big sacrifice for him. But I think it works well for our family dynamics. Um, you uh, You know, when the kids come home from school, there was always a parent there to, you know, help them and just give them that um, consistent lifestyle. Um, And it, you know, um, I think it just took the pressure off of me as well. But, um, you know, it has been a sacrifice um, because, you know, if ever I feel like I need a break or something, it's like, well, no, I can't. (laughs) I just (laughs) got to keep going, right? Um, Yeah, I, I, you know... Uh, and I haven't, there's been times when I've been traveling a lot and I don't see my children and that's been hard. But now that the pandemic, I've got the chance to spend a lot more time with them. So there's been pluses around that as well. So, yeah, I think nobody has it, uh, you know, perfect all the time. Um, so I've been, I think I've been very blessed and very fortunate in many ways. And finally, Eleanor, if anybody listening to this morning's show wants to follow that IT career path that you've taken and would like to end up in a high-powered job like you in the US, what advice have you got for them? I'd say just go after your dreams, you know. Um, It's not straightforward. I'd be the first to admit that. It's, you know, you'll have setbacks and it's not all a breeze. But keep going. Every time you have a setback, it's something to learn from and grow stronger from. And the whole field, like, if you love learning, things are changing so much all the time. There's always something to learn. You'll never get bored. So um, I think it's a great career for somebody who likes to be you know, having surprises and new paths open up all the time and see new things happening all the time. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Eleanor Hayes-Merritt, Senior Vice President at Oracle. And it's great to see Eleanor flying the flag for Wexford in the tech capital of the world. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.